0: Uh, I'm not going to tell you who's starting quarterback to keep our strategic advantage. Like, what strategic advantage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, which toilet are you living in? So, hello, welcome
1: to your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's Season 9, we're feeling fine, trading camp review and start of the year predictions. We're back baby! Back baby! Woo. So hey, we got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on lads? How's Tricks? Uh, how's Waterford, Sean?
2: Uh, yes, now that I am definitely in Waterford and I'm not lying about being here, it's interesting, yeah, it's... Uh... It's a bit smaller than Cork, as you'd expect. It's got an interesting vibe. It's got, it does kind of have a little bit of an artsy culture vibe, or at least it's trying to do that, um, which is interesting. Um, And you know, the beach is 15 minutes away and there's not so nice things to see. Uh, Still kind of settling in a bit, but overall um, fairly positive uh, about it. Still kind of feels a a little bit like a holiday Uh, Even though we've been here for about a month now. Mm. Um, But uh, yeah, it just kind of feels like a a break in life for the next uh, year or
1: so, um, which is no bad thing, I suppose. Very good. How about yourself running the house all down in Cork?
0: Oh, yeah, not too bad. Tipping away. Got the uh, release of many, many podcasts explanation uh, done and out of the way a couple of weeks ago. So glad to see the back of that and then uh, give it a couple of weeks of uh, rest and relaxation before getting on to the. The, the rest of it but uh, of course uh, just as the work deadlines finish up uh, autumn is coming here or fall for our american listeners and that means only one thing is coming back and it's football baby
1: and of course everyone's favorite podcast is back as well uh yeah no it's been a, it's been a fun little break august was nice uh went camping had a couple of nice bits and pieces it was uh, it was good fun uh unfortunately or possibly fortunately didn't actually manage to make it to the uh college football game that was on in Dublin uh, it was a very very one-sided affair number of very friends,
2: fortunately I think
1: yeah a number of our friends were there I believe in the third quarter it was 42 to nothing and there hadn't been a single passing yard from Navy yet at that point uh, that was very much a game for the purists <laughs> some might say um, but yeah that was a, it was a good little break but now I'm getting excited we are recording this what eight days out from, uh, from football so this is going to wrap up all of our pre-season stuff uh, all the news that's happened since we were chatting to you last and we'll start our kind of pre-season uh, awards our premature congratulations so uh yeah, I suppose we should kick off. There has been quite a bit of news since we were talking last. Uh, Washington team is now officially sold to the consortium led by Josh Harris for a record $6.05 billion. Uh, it was initially going to be $6 billion. They added the point zero five. Uh, that might be in some way linked to the fact that former owner Dan Schneider was fined $60 million on the way out related to workplace relations violations and financial impropriety following the league investigations. So, uh, finally, the Washington team are free from Dan Schneider who has for donkeys been the worst owner in the league we'll be talking about potentially who might be trying to take up his mantle as the worst owner in the league later on in this news section. But uh, this is positive for Washington. Uh, There have been some suggestions of other elements, like uh, under the new ownership, they might actually look at rebranding again, away from the commanders and into something else, uh, kind of a full refresh. But yeah, there's reasons to be positive in Washington that haven't been there for quite some time. So I think this this is a big win from my perspective.
2: Yeah, a chance to I guess uh, strike a line over the, the old regime and start new, uh, afresh with something new. Obviously, that this the Snyder situation—he's was he's very toxic owner. I think he toxified that entire organization for any number of years, and it kind of felt even on the on the field the team was kind of going nowhere after a certain point because there just didn't seem to be any direction to them. So now maybe Clearhouse start a, a a new situation with a, an owner with a, a decent reputation and build something new uh, on the field. I think it's going to take a, lot, a, a number of years before they get the pieces back together and maybe start with a quarterback might help. Um, but uh, yeah, this this can be considered day one and, and day one is always a good place to be because it's full of hope and expectation.
0: Yeah, it's just nice to not have to hate the team anymore um, unless uh, somehow the team name change leads to the idiots getting back in charge and bring back the old <laughs> Uh But assuming that uh, Josh Harris is not literally an idiot... Uh, that's unlikely to happen, and probably Secret Commanders or FT, I wouldn't mind bringing back the FT, to be honest. Uh, But look, like I think, obviously, we have enough bad owners, but Dan Snyder truly was in a league of his own, um, or at least maybe the brand's owner could, could have a competition there, but um, it's definitely a situation which has been going on for like two decades now. The guy got very well rewarded for his failure, Dan Snyder, like $6 billion, a world record fee for a sports team, in America or in the world, like that's, you know, he can't really be that unhappy, but I, I like, at least we do know he definitely did want to keep the team. He was basically forced out. So he will be unhappy despite having this enormous amount of cash. So we can all take some solace from that fact.
1: Yeah. Um, we'll move on to crime and punishment. What's happening? Probably felonies. It's New Orleans running back Alvin Kamara, who we talked about beforehand, has been suspended three games uh, under the personal conduct policy. This is after a misdemeanor plea and civil settlement in relation to his fight in Las Vegas. It was the elevator in a casino, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so I, yeah. I, he's I, bled I, that I out. Uh, he's going to take three games. Some thought this might be a little bit higher, but I think the, uh, the whole kind of... Civil suit stuff and the plea out helped him out there. Um, Kansas City Chiefs defensive lineman Charles Omen, who has suspended six games under the personal conduct policy related to a domestic violence charge back in January. Uh, There's also been a similar six games for Seahawks wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge. uh, And Denver defensive lineman Ioma (laughs) <laughs> Uwe Zoraki, uh, suspended indefinitely under the gambling policy. Now, we've talked a good bit on this about how silly some of the gambling policies is, but this is a slap, <laughs> do for forget, guy out of here. He bet on the NFL and college games, including betting on himself and games that he was playing in. So he's facing criminal charges for match fixing. And I imagine this is a, an indefinite suspension that will not be lifted anytime soon.
0: Yeah, like Kamara, obviously it's a loss. Uh, they've obviously stacked up the running back position to be prepared for that. We can talk about that in week one, in the previews then. Uh, but I think given the circumstances and the not great evidence, you know, there was video evidence of showing him and his uh, compadres engaging in you know a pretty brutal attack, three games and a misdemeanor, and obviously a bit of money uh, to the guy uh, who he who was attacked is probably fairly light uh, but of course if he is ever involved in such situations again which i'm sure he won't be um then i imagine the this suspension will be a lot longer as for Omenahu and the wayne eskridge uh like, like this is the situation obviously dv domestic violence is a huge issue for the nfl it's really good to see that they take this stuff seriously and you know six games minimum is you know as you see for three games for for what what's happening there is a pretty severe um situation even when i think in these cases both of them are now Past it they've they've gone through the requisite, uh, you know, we're past it and we're going into certain programs and all that kind of uh, stuff at the moment as well. Um, so it's not, as far as we know, ongoing. Uh, but yeah, you, know, you know, I think the NFL has importantly taken a statement on this, and the six games is probably, you know, it could be much more, but it's a, it's still a pretty severe uh, thing for this kind of case. As for Woodsukuri, like obviously he's never going to play in the NFL again. He's technically on the Denver roster until because he's currently suspended, so it doesn't have any effect in the roster stuff. But yeah, like <laughs> this guy, uh, really shit the bed here. Like he had fake accounts to basically, I think through his mother, if I recall correctly, to kind of try and obfuscate what he was doing. But yeah, while he was both in college and in the NFL, betting in games that he was actively involved in, like that's like the biggest no, dumb, dumb thing that you could possibly do and yeah the fact that he's potentially facing criminal sanction gives you an idea of what kind of fuck up this guy has done this isn't you know some guy tell you know, uh, you know betting on like a college basketball yeah. game while this is this facilities. isn't a
1: hundred bucks on a game like uh, although yeah. i do remember i think the number was there was a lot of bets but none of them were individually massive yeah but there was a but lot i'm sure he
0: was trying to be clever yeah. by you know going under the radar but uh yeah i think he this will probably be the the first name put up there as a warning to the rest of the uh the players not to uh, get involved in this kind of idiocy, And, uh, you know, the fact that some of this happened in college may have had an influence in some NFL rule changes, But uh, yeah, which we'll sure. be talking about in the moment.
1: Yeah, we're actually we're, we're going to come on to that now, actually, because the NFL has decided to make rule changes, which is going to allow suspensions under the personal conduct policy related to actions made before entry into the NFL at the college level, which means things that these players get up to in college can impact them playing in the league. Uh, like you said, this is obviously... Something that's in their head when they see this guy betting on himself in college—it's kind of timely, and we will talk about it later that like this would also presumably impact the likes of Johnny Football when he came into the league, who had a number of uh, issues in college that he kind of gotten <clears throat> that he kind of gotten out of, but then like the NFL would have been able to catch up and, and, and apply them. So I think that's uh, that's an interesting one. Do we think this is all right? The NFL can retrospectively say, "Well, what you did while you were under NCAA." Uh, oversight can impact your ability to play there because like certain things I think are like in game stuff I think should be managed at the NCAA level but like you do see a lot of stories about players with say like domestic violence stuff or things like that in college that kind of got away with it in college while being big man on campus so it does give them a mechanism to go after that if they wanted to show themselves to be a bit tougher
2: yeah I guess it depends how this rule is implemented um Obviously, there can be situations, you know, uh, outlier kind of situations where if it's used sparingly, then maybe it can be effective. But as a general policy, kind of the NFL extending its reach over college players, it feels like there is a potential for, for abuse and overreach and injustice there. I mean, college kids, you know, you're young. You're stupid. You just kind of figure yourself out in the world. You're in new social situations, especially college players. You know, it's, it's a weird dynamic. You're suddenly the, the big guy. you are suddenly got a lot of social capital you haven't had before. And maybe you make some mistakes. I don't, I, I, I would feel uncomfortable if this became a, a thing where the NFL regularly just decided to to punish college players for for everything that they've done at the college level. I mean, people make mistakes when they're young and they learn. Um, So I I, I suspend my judgment on this until I see how it works in practice, because it feels like it could go either way. It could be something sensible and useful, or it could be something which makes uh, players' lives hell and punishes people for things that may have happened two or three years before or may you know, happened when they were young and stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would rather the NFL stuck to, you know, uh, governing the NFL and the players who play there. But, yeah, I'm not sure about this at all, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Like, I could see a case for it being the, you know, that they're more, uh, they put harsher punishments on people when it's, like, subsequent offenses for the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Definitely if it's, like,
2: taken into account as aggravating evidence in certain situations absolutely that makes sense but yeah a standalone I'd be a bit worried about I would
1: also worry that this is this is happening at the point that players are now able to make money in college and a number of them are going to make more money in their name and image rights the NIL stuff uh, than they would on a rookie contract and they kind of want to extend a bit of control into that to I, I, I yeah I, that's just me worried about what they could be doing with it down the line what do you think Ron? Yeah, like, I think if
0: they keep it towards uh, severe, like, personal contact policy violations like we've talked about there with who and Kamara, like, violent incidents, uh, domestic violence in particular, then I don't think it will be too controversial. Like, obviously there were famous cases with people like Tyree Kill or Joe Mixon where, you know, there was plentiful evidence that they had engaged in some pretty abhorrent behaviour. Um, if it starts extending down to, like, lower level personal contact stuff, then I'd probably yeah, lean a bit more to what you say. But I imagine they'll probably be judicious with this because, you know, the more that they make this an everyday type of thing, the more likely it may be challenged legally or something like that. So, yeah. But if it's kept into the very worst type of situations, then, you know, well, I'm sure some people are shameless enough to, to defend themselves regardless, but it's unli- it's much less likely in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Uh, so we're we're in the midst of the controversy corner, so there's two bits we should talk about in here as well. There's a couple of holdouts happening, so as we're coming in, we're a week out from the games. Uh, Indianapolis running back Jonathan Taylor is still holding out, kind of, Mm. in italics. Uh, So he was allowed to seek a trade after a dispute with the owner. Uh, Indianapolis have then said that they didn't get the level of offer they want. So the fight that's going on here, and I think we talked about it in the previews, is... Jonathan Taylor wants to get paid. They don't want to pay him. The owner has come out and said he's not going to pay him. Says if he and Jonathan Taylor both died tomorrow, the NFL would forget both of them, which is pretty heavy stuff. Um, they said they're not going to pay him like a top-end player. Would allow him to go for a trade, but decided that if they that if he wanted a trade, they needed at least the level of a first-round pick plus to, uh, to trade him. There was interest from Miami and Green Bay and one or two others. But yeah, apparently Indianapolis were looking for some slightly crazy things in response. The uh, story doing the rounds at the moment is that in trade discussions with Miami, they wanted Jalen Waddle plus stuff back. Um, so Jonathan Taylor is now on the pup list. He's going to have to miss four games. Um, there is an interesting side wrinkle to this as well. That so Jonathan Taylor came back in. He had uh, reconstructive was it knee or ankle work done uh, after last knee, season? Knee,
0: ankle, yeah.
1: Uh, he came in and he obviously was in a bit of a bit of a, a, a scrap with the guys about wanting some more money. He apparently told them that he had a back injury um, and then they said, oh, oh, so that's a injury that you got when you were away from the team, a non-footballing injury. And he went very quickly, went, oh, no, wait, no, no, it's fine. It's completely fine. <laughs> uh, it's um. not that and is now claiming that it's the ankle work that like. You know, was minor cleanup work that he had months ago and should not be causing an issue. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole, whole mess of crap going on here at the moment. Um But like a lot of other players, and we'll talk about them in a bit in the running back group, kind of got some bits. Particularly, uh, we'll talk about the uh, Raiders running back getting a kind of decent thing off his kind of pressure on the tag. But yeah, Jonathan Taylor is in a not great situation. Uh, at the moment, I don't think well, uh, this doesn't look to be resolving itself in any way.
0: Like the evidence of the last five, maybe even longer years, is that running backs don't get paid. We've seen guys hold out, do the flat holder like Levy Bell. It didn't get them anywhere. Um, there's no trade value for them. Like, you know, CMC is one of the most, like, is more of a weapon than a running back, but even he could only get, I suppose, an equivalent of a first-round pick if you package all of the things that were put together to get him last year. And that was for a team that was contending in the middle of the season and needed a boost to its offense, especially with a bad quarterback situation. So, you know, JT, Jen and Taylor coming off an ankle injury, you know, after being good two years ago, which in running back years could be like four years ago, basically, didn't seem very likely. I want to think see the, the tire offers, like... You know, it was very obvious the Colts had said, We're, we want a CMC-type package, so a first-rounder equivalent. And then it sounds like they went even crazier in the actual talks and said, hey, give us Jalen Waddle." And it's just like, that was never going to happen. So the team was never going to trade him unless they got an offer that they could not refuse. And Jonathan Taylor was just going to have to play. Now, the fact he's put on Pup is interesting because that means that he is accruing games under that situation, I think, effectively. So his yeah. contract is tolling while on Pup. So that's actually maybe good for him, and the team has said they don't want to bring him back till he's fully healthy. But he is going to need to play at least four extra games on top of the pub period to qualify for his contract at toll. So at some point, he's probably going to have to come back and do it. Now he had remember he did show up to camp. He's not like the next guy we'll talk about who has literally did the proper holdout, like the, the, the yeah. official proper holdout. Um, but he you know he got into a basically arguments in the team bus with the owner. Generally not a good idea, I would say. Like John and Taylor apparently is a very smart guy, but maybe he's. You know when you're smart and you're trapped and there's just nothing you can do he has let his frustration get out and he's you know doing stuff maybe mentioning like the back injury and stuff like that being too clever by half but the reality is within the constraints of being a running back and the contractual situation and all of the economics around that like they had a call about it running backs are basically fucked right now like you just have mm-hmm. to take whatever they can and move on um and just tell their children not to be running backs uh, if they choose <laughs> to play uh, american football going forward
1: yeah, the, uh, the other wrinkle to the publist thing is that they've put him on the publist. Uh They reckon that he did have a back injury, that he doesn't anymore, and that he's playing it up. Uh, because on the publist, like you said, he does accrue games. But equally, at the end of the four weeks, they can force him to take a physical. And if they find that he is hamming up his injuries, they'll be able to uh, basically sanction him with, I believe it's... Is it, Actions detrimental to the team or to the sport or something like that, and they can like kind of take a lump of money off him, not allow him to accrue those games, take them back and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. i I would be keeping a very close eye on what happens around week four in this situation.
2: Yeah, it it certainly sounds like the the relationship has broken down between Taylor and the the coaches or management or, or whoever mm-hmm. it is he's dealing with. That's a very bad situation to be in because it you know it leads to a situation down the line where he wants out more more likely or if he is slightly injured maybe he doesn't he's not as inspired to play and the Colts are kind of in a weird situation where you know they don't have much else offensively at the moment they have a rookie quarterback who's who looks quite raw and is going to need some time to 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 blend in and to have a you know an elite running back to carry the yards for those first few weeks would have been quite a good situation to be in um and but if the, the counterpoint to that, I guess, is that if this guy is starting to demonstrate injuries and they're beginning to pile up one another, maybe it is time for the Colts, given the history of running backs and how quickly they they can fall off their peak, to, to look elsewhere. So I can see, but I can see why the Colts are like this is a this is a bad situation for us to be in we need to you know assert control and make sure that we're, we're we're the dominant party here but also i can see why taylor believes that he should be getting a lot more respect than he otherwise would be because even if you look at his at his stats from 2022 they they did seem to drop off quite a bit even take into account his injuries when you look at the averages and stuff you know he, go, he goes from 18 touchdowns in 17 games to four touchdowns in 11 games and, and the, the yards the yards more than half despite the fact that he played more he played 11 games versus 17 so there is, there is a drop-off injury. Obviously, the, the various ankle injuries in 2022 did, did stifle his ability to play even when he came on the field. So I can see why the Colts... I mean, the Colts, it just feels like the Colts are in a bit of a shitty situation in general on the field because they, they don't... They, their whole plan of what they were supposed to be for that has fallen apart two years in a row and now they're trying to rebuild something new and this guy is like the one crown jewel that they actually have to maybe tied them over until anthony richardson can become the star and if he's injured sla- injured underperforming you know once out that's a very bad situation for the colts to be in so it's just a messy situation all around and i i can't imagine it's getting any better if if the relationship has fallen apart as as quickly and as thoroughly as it seems to have
1: Yeah. Uh, Another person who was in a holdout but isn't really anymore was uh, Bosa in San Francisco who's now said he's reporting with the team and they expect to get a deal done over the weekend. Uh, The other big one sitting out there is Kansas City Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones has now been placed on the reserve slash did not report list after not showing up for training camp uh, at all. Uh, He said... On a random Twitter thread, that he's willing to sit out till <laughs> week eight, but uh, we'll see what that means. Uh, Kansas City have in the interim traded, I think, a conditional sixth or something for defensive lineman Neil Farrell from Las Vegas. Um, this is a messy situation. So, Jones, uh, according to reports, I, I don't think they're a million miles apart um, in terms of like average per year. So, I don't. he, he, he reportedly wants to be the second highest paid defensive lineman because obviously there's there's that kind of like Phoenix Albatross cons, uh, contract that's out there for Aaron Donald uh no one's going to be paying thirty five million a year, I think he wants closer to thirty. The Chiefs want about twenty eight. I think is roughly what's being reported around internally, but I believe the sticking point isn't that two million. I think the sticking point is length and number of years that have guaranteed money within them. Uh, obviously Jones has passed uh age thirty. I think he's thirty now and will turn thirty one during this season. So. The idea of a long-term deal is a bit worrying. Uh, they Both sides have expressed that they want to have a like uh, choose-for-life situation, but they are um, kind of at a bit of an impasse at the moment. Uh, I would hope something will move this week end on it, but we'll have to see, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. History
0: indicates that these things usually get sorted out, but this has certainly reached a level of conflict that is not typical of these types of holdouts There does seem to have been some emerging bad blood like you work fairly early on this and be worried about this and now he's kind of dismissive because that's most of the time like the Bosa thing it just kind of gets worked out but yeah like if, if the Jones camp are very um high on making sure the guarantees are are nice and sturdy and maybe you know guaranteeing him playing for you know well into his 30s then you know that you yeah. can see what's the sticking point but I still feel like you know given how important he is at the defense that you know they'll sort something out here like you can always make it work you can always convert more of Patrick Mahomes money to to, to signing bonuses and whatever, oh, like that. Course, like, Chris Jones is so integral. You know, like they'll sort something out, but uh, they certainly journey. are playing it right down to the wire here.
1: Yeah, and also, like, the thing is, when it comes down to the money, he's under contract this year anyway. So he will have to play at least eight games. Uh, that's where the, I think the week eight comment came from. Uh thing is, if he's, if he's looking at it from a money perspective, like, he would be a year older getting a contract next year, so less likely to get it. He has already accrued over a million in fines because of not reporting. And due to changes in the NFL uh, rules that cannot be waived by the by the uh, organization anymore because he's off his rookie contract so he already is a million down every game he misses is over a million in a game check so realistically if he holds out till week eight he'll have missed out on over nine million dollars close to ten million dollars to then have to play at the end of a contract and then presumably a tag and trade where he's trying to get that deal a year older so I, I just think even from a money perspective he doesn't have the leverage he thinks he wants um but like at this point, he's made a lot of money, and this might be a, a, more of a, a, a respect relationship thing at this point. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it will get resolved. I would be worried, and we'll talk about it next week if it would be resolved in time for the Lions opener.
0: Yeah, well, I hope. It, well, I think everyone hopes today because. We want that game to be as good as possible.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, although, to be honest, without him in there, it means we're more likely to get a big shootout and have a very exciting Thursday night <laughs> opener. Uh, let's move on to transactions. We've had a couple of big moves in the league. Uh, I'll start with one or two and then I'll run through the rest. Uh, so the big ones, I suppose, are the Chargers have extended quarterback Justin Herbert. He's got a five-year, $262.5 million contract. Uh, so that big money locks him in in place. And the Jets have extended Quinton Williams, four years, $96 million, And that follows quarterback Aaron Rodgers doing the most fuck you Green Bay (laughs) move I've seen in a long time where he restructures from 110 million to 75 million in fully guaranteed money so that the Jets could then use that cap space to sign Dalvin Cook to bolster what was already looking like a pretty strong running back room so uh, two strong strong moves here Uh, what do you think obviously look the Chargers had to get this done this seems a fair enough price doesn't
2: it? Well it's yeah, I think it technically makes him the highest-paid player per year now in the NFL. I, th- I, I think I
1: think by like half a million per year or something. Yeah, slightly
2: it? higher than Lamar Jackson and a little bit higher as well than, than Pat Mahomes. Obviously, Herbert's a fantastic. The, the entire franchise, the Chargers, any hope to be good for the next ten years rests on on his shoulders, um, but. At the same time, has he really performed when he's ne- the chips have been down and they've needed him to step up in, in big situations? I don't know if he's.
1: Hold on if a he's truly... other than me saying this on the podcast, I'm, I'm locked <laughs> in.
2: I don't know if he's truly can be considered in the elite Pat Mahomes kind of tier, um, but I, I think this is a big year for him in terms of having to prove that now because now he is now he's got the you know, most expensive player kind of tag put onto him, and this is the year when, you know, the, the training wheels are off for, for sure. Um, could be a lot of pressure on his shoulders to, to perform, and the charges are notoriously a dumpster fire of an organization at the best of times, so interesting to see, but yeah. No no questioning the talent, but maybe tiny bit overpaying for what he's actually done in the NFL so far.
0: Yeah, but like, the quarterback position, like, you know he's the highest paid quarterback right now in APY. Soon it'll be Joe Burrow. Next year it'll be someone else. And like obviously Patrick Mahomes, so you know, should be the highest paid quarterback. But he's talked himself about doing Tom Brady type thing, not trying to keep the team flexible so that they can build a team around him. I know, so, um, so
1: humble, just accepting forty five million dollars. I, I know, I know, I <laughs> know.
0: <laughs> he he really he just got me with that. You know he's got his <laughs> uh, propaganda wing going this summer. But um, but yeah, no, like look, Justin Herbert has he proven himself and won Super Bowls yet no but neither is someone like Josh Allen uh sorry to bring a pain point for for Marcus but like you know I think the problems with the Chargers you know it hasn't been perfect in offense but I would say the biggest problems the Chargers have not been related to Justin Herbert he has shown the upside and the talent to be a really effective quarterback it's just like can he take that next step and become like the elite of the elite like get into the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, Patrick Mahomes level but that's like, there's so few players who make that and lots of players here below that have got paid, you know, a lot of money. So he's already a Pro Bowl level quarterback, in my opinion. It's just going kind of be an All-Pro. And I think based on where they are and where the Chargers could be with a new OC, you know, he's going to get better. And like the reality is, you're never going to let a guy this talented go. And the, char- like the, the price of the quarterback's only going to go up Based on that, everything we know over the last five years, so you might as well get the deal done and do the slight adjustment above the last highest paid guy. Um, so overall, like, look, you know, like it, maybe it doesn't turn out the right way, but you know, I would certainly consider him to be as uh, safe, if not safer, than the other guys got paid, like uh, Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts.
1: Yeah, this Jet stuff is very interesting, isn't it? So Rogers restructures himself down, takes. Guaranteed money off the table to help build the team around him. Uh means they can obviously pay up cue ball here, uh Williams and pick up Dalvin Cook. Uh, it's strong moves from them. Uh we will probably be talking about them a little bit later on. But uh yeah, I I I think this, this worked quite well for them.
0: Yeah, and I think it, it reflects the fact that Rogers is a lot happier with the Jets, maybe just like slightly better weather, not that New York is like amazing, but it's certainly a lot better than like Wisconsin. Um, particularly during the winter, probably. Um, and he just seems reinvigorated by the new challenge of being in a new team and having to rebuild from fresh. And he's probably thinking, I'm going to be like Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. And obviously we'll see if that, that's what comes to fruition. But, you know, he had like very big numbers because that's the way quarterback contracts are. But his willingness to kind of bring that headline number down, even if he's obviously getting all that money guaranteed, like a Kirk Cousins type situation, it's still a sign of good fate and gave the team additional flexibility. And I think it also reflects the fact that he already probably has a much better relationship with the front office in uh with the jets which is a much because obviously it's a more traditional team uh where the owner has influence and the gm has influence and they're all collaborating at least at the moment in terms of bringing things together and obviously certain guys have been brought in in the coaching staff and the wide receiver room to help him out and i think he just feels the the love right now both from the organization and his fellow players and the fans and i think he's just really enjoying it because like that last year in particular for rogers probably felt pretty uncomfortable and yeah someone like quinn and williams who has slowly grown into being an all-pro level defensive tackle in that tier just below Aaron Donald and maybe even Aaron Donald's falling off so maybe he's in that top tier now um, that just makes sense and it's basically much in line with the contracts you saw for the other defensive tackles in the off-season this year
1: yeah yeah um... No, it's an exciting time for, for Jets fans. Hope you're enjoying it, Richard. Uh, a couple of other ones. So the Giants uh, extended offensive tackle Andrew Thomas, five years, $117.5 million. Dallas ex- extended Trayvon Diggs, five years, $97 million. Uh, Jacksonville did Evan Ingram, their tight end, three years, $41.25 million. Uh, Pittsburgh got Alex Highsmith, their edge rusher, four years, $68 million. Seattle extended Nuoza, three years, $59 million. And Chicago decided they want to lock down Cole Comet, four years, 50 million dollars so any of these jump out at you Uh, and your Giants paying someone else that's not called Saquon Barkley albeit Thomas is very good.
0: Yeah like look this just reflects the market for these positions like the tackle position has continued to just explode and Thomas was a guy who didn't come out of the gate hot he actually had a pretty tough first year but his last couple of years he started coming into a kind of Pro Bowl level. Uh, of play uh, for them and obviously last year um, the offensive line actually turned into a strength for that team as they uh, became quite successful running and they mostly kept Daniel Jones upright so you know for a young ascending offensive lineman like Thomas is kind of the going rate right, so that kind of makes sense and similarly for Trayvon Diggs you could argue to kind of safe, you know, just stopping the ball. But he's obviously a guy who has a lot of pop, is, you know, willing to take risks to get, you know, big, big plays. And he therefore gets a top of the contract for CBs. I think CBs are probably a position which, you know, felt like it was on a certain trajectory in terms of money and has maybe leveled off a little cool, bit, like check. at that kind of 20 million area. Uh, but, you know, for Trayvon Diggs, and, and obviously Jerry Jones tends to play his guys. So that going kind to of make sense? And then you have the two tight ends, Ingram and Kemet kind of, uh, Ingram gets a little bit more because he was on tag, so that can we really give him a little bit more leverage. Um, but you know he's. I'm a, I would say maybe a little bit of overpaid. both these guys might be a little bit of overpay but tight end is such a, a weird position obviously we only yeah. see the kind of or care about the receiving yards because that's what care for fantasy and stuff like that uh, but they obviously you know guys who can do multiple things guys who can contribute in terms of like blocking and stuff are valuable uh, and it's yeah. useful and Heisman and Nuosu kind of your you know not top level pass rushers but the next level down maybe you know I think reasonable contracts for those guys Kai Smith in particular you know a lot of people would have said he was just a Robin to TJ Watt's Batman but you saw even when TJ Watt was out that he continued to perform he continued to produce and so I think he's well earned his uh, contract there with the Pittsburgh Steelers and their team that we know they know how to evaluate their defensive players and they're paying him appropriately
1: yeah and it's interesting to see the knock-on of some of these so obviously the tight ends there both get paid uh, we now have up in Minnesota Hawkinson is in negotiations and he's looking to become the highest paid tight end and they're kind of struggling with what that will look like and what that'll mean for their cap up there but he's also yeah, I think you know, they're
0: they're also looking to extend uh, Justin Jefferson early so that's probably Hall playing it as well
1: yeah and uh, and obviously with them having traded for him they've already invested capital they don't want to see him walking out the door and so on so it's, uh, it's interesting. The knock-on effect that some of these uh, contracts will then have on other, other negotiations ongoing. Uh, we'll look at some trades and some signings. Dallas traded a 2024 fourth-round pick for QB Trey Lance from San Francisco. Trey Lance kind of lost out in the shuffle between uh, Brock Purdy taking the starter's job, Sam Darnold taking the backup job, and... Um, yeah, this is a kind of a, a very cheap price to have to pay for Trey Lance, but the market just wasn't there for him, and at the point they decided to announce that he wasn't going to be the backup, I think they kind of knew they just had to trade him away or else it was just going to be an ongoing storyline. Uh This, uh, I think I was messaging you guys at the time about it, Uh the 49ers maybe are not the great tacticians that we thought they were. Uh, <laughs> that is a king's ransom they paid to go up and pick up Trey Lance. Uh, and now they've got nothing. Cause it was what three first rounders and the first round pick swap, uh, and he's played four games for them, and he's gone. Uh, this is, I think, a good pickup for Dallas because they're getting him fairly cheap. Um, it's a bit confusing because he's not exactly a perfect match for being a backup to Dak. They've quite different play styles, but you know, like. I just, I just think the 49ers come across terribly in this, to be honest, and I think it was mishandled all off season. And yeah, I just, yeah, it, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth for me. Uh, not saying that Trey Lance is fantastic, but just the way that the 49ers completely bungled this is surprising for a team that I kind of had high expectations of this year. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it obviously what happened is that
2: they they believed this guy was going to be the answer, the the, the future of the position of quarterback, and it's just clear that he isn't. Um, and maybe that's the injury. Maybe that's because they've suddenly found that they they found their their Tom Brady prototype and Brock Purdy a, a low a low pick who could turn out to be a, a reliable part of a championship team. Um, it's I agree with you. It looks really bad on paper that you know the the third overall pick is two or three years later, is going for a fourth round um, because he can't even be the, 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 the QB2. Um, it does it does suggest that either the scouting, the, the, the initial scouting, was completely off or that Trey Lance has is just is just plummeted in his ability because of his injuries or, or whatever. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'd say the jury's still a little bit out because in terms of this is whether this is good for Dallas or not, I mean, it's, it's 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 a low price, I suppose, so it doesn't matter, and it's a shot to nothing that they, you know, he, they will only need him if Dak Prescott ends up, you know, having an injury or or having another season where he's just dog shit. Um, but I don't know if this guy's ever going to make the NFL. If this, it, to me, this all is almost an indictment from the part of the 49ers organization saying this guy is not as good as anyone we all thought he was. Um, and by the way, I mean, he was... They had to move up to third to get him to stop other teams from getting him. So not just the Niners now, who rated this now, guy incredibly Sean, highly. That's, that,
1: that's a very favorable interpretation of most people's jaws were on the floor when he was taken at third. He wasn't top of the lot I of QB's dis, lists.
2: I disagree with that historical interpretation of facts. I okay. do not believe people were that surprised that he went <laughs> to that I think they were. People think, were surprised <laughs> that the Niners went think, up to get him on third, but I, yeah. I we don't can, think so. we can I, run I, the tapes we can go back to our, we can. We'll, our we'll, draft we'll go back, back to the, the tape but like we're want. talking about
1: a guy who in his entire AFC career up to seasons. that point it's took it's... took less snaps than most NFL quarter, quarterbacks take in a single season like I think there was a lot of surprise when he went third but look, uh, maybe I maybe uh, I'm remembering it wrong but I think there was a bit of surprise at that as well <laughs> like, uh, like the,
2: I, that's not how I remember it but sure we can we can agree to disagree uh, on that but regardless, he was at the very least considered to be a high first round. He was in that 5QB class of these guys are all going to go pretty high in the first round kind of situation. Maybe he wasn't considered to be the third best of those, but he was definitely highly rated. And for him now to be, uh, you know, essentially a, a fourth, worth a fourth round pick is, is a plummet, uh, regardless of. of the, the particularities of how highly he was rated in the first place. So I, I think until we see this guy on the field and see if that he's actually got anything in his game at all, um, I don't know if we can judge whether or not even the Cowboys have made a good move here. Because um, if if the Niners have gone off him this quickly, and if he's fallen behind Sam Darnold in in the in in the quarterback uh, stakes in San Francisco, it does not speak well to what the Niners thought his current ability is, basically.
1: Do you know what, John? Well, This th- Here's an interesting one. I just pulled up our mock draft from that year. Ronan had Trey Lance to the 49ers. We didn't. We had know. them taking Mac Jones.
0: Hey, those are predictions about what will happen. <laughs> not, predictions not, about what should happen. They're not what should happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, <laughs> like, look, like, I think for me, you know, like, there was a lot of conflicting reports at the time he was drafted, right? Remember when the, the 49ers drafted, uh, well, sorry, moved up to number three, and that was based on the fact based on subsequent reports or the what well, we know, that they were like, We're never gonna well, we're very rarely this high up in the draft. Let's go up and get the yeah. you know, franchise quarterback. This was at a time when Patrick Mahomes had to just took home the league and the kind of deep Uh, passing kind of improvisational play was at its peak nearly effectively Um, and you know everyone like you need to have someone who isn't just gonna you know be a west coast like point guard quarterback you need an improviser someone who can make big dramatic plays like Patrick Mahomes does and so a guy like Trey Lance was moving up boards obviously there's been a defensive shift since then so and Patrick Mahomes himself is now like like Tom Brady-esque basically but like you know things have changed since then Uh, and there was you know lots of reports that Kyle Shanahan would have drafted Mac Jones who obviously was that kind of safe joystick quarterback and we know that Shanahan's a guy who's almost a control freak about his quarterbacks he wants guys who implement his plan Mm because he's one of the best schemes callers or like play callers in the league Um, and therefore having a guy who's um, you know not as talented but predictable who knows will do what you want like GBG did for him it's preferable to having you know a guy who can do lots of great things but isn't going to do what you told him to do because you know what you know better than him and you know maybe you can find situations where you know getting the more improvisation guy is better like you see with Sean McVay and Matt Stafford that definitely worked out um, but that's a very different relationship than getting in a guy who you know had played very very little football he only played one season and not even at the top college level uh, he's a supreme inexperienced guy he's been unlucky with injuries like this was a projection right and everything that could go against the projection has gone against it like all the injuries uh all the kind of like the you know the, the backlash then that comes in against the pick and just it's, it's just been quite bad overall for him so he's a guy who you know based on the number amount of experience he has as playing quarterback will probably need could do with just a season of two of being seasoned of just getting you know a no a, a low pressure situation to kind of get up to speed and actually be at the level that a standard recruit would be. But it's obviously a cautionary tale to not just go all in potential. And you see a guy like Brock Purdy drafted Mr. Irrelevant, but who had like, I think four or five years of experience at college. If you have a good play caller who you can trust, then you don't need to get the Patrick Mahomes of it all. Obviously it'd be great to have Patrick Mahomes. And if you believe there's a Patrick Mahomes out there, obviously do draft, but don't go all out on the guy who, on like a year's tape. But of course, you know, Fante Richardson and maybe that's a, a cautionary tale for Anthony Richardson this year but obviously if Richardson does work out then um everyone will be going back to kind of Trey Lance type picks anyway so look I think you know it's very unfortunate for the kid I hope he has an opportunity to rebuild his career it's probably going to be a long road back almost maybe even Geno Smith level length of time probably to get back to being a starter but I think with the Cowboys with Dak being well entrenched there it's unlikely he'll be pressurised to do anything more than a backup or even maybe the third stringer Um, basically pseudo practice squad they won't let him in the practice squad in case he gets picked up but by- by someone else but it's equally likely he's out of the league in two years but for Dallas the fourth round pick is basically nothing so why not take on a guy who everyone as we all said agreed three years ago was a first round talent and see what you get because in the quarterback business even if you know, even if he doesn't work out great, if he still looks like he could be a starter, you could probably flip him for a pick in yeah. the future anyway. Like, so that's
1: what I like, a fourth round pick, yeah. have him in a heartbeat. Three first yeah. round and, picks, no.
0: And for every team that's not San Francisco, he's not as big a distraction. I think the biggest <coughs> problem for 49ers is that every press conference you're going to get questions about him about this guy who you, you traded so much for is he in the competition if a quarterback gets injured not an unknown thing in san francisco what about trey lance and i think for them they just want to move on they have a quarterback they can trust in brock birdie they believe they can reclaim sam darnold and in kyle shanahan i think their capacity to uh, you know get guys who have experience who at least know what they're doing on the field and make them look good is uh, pretty high
1: yeah, let's move on. Arizona traded linebacker Isaiah Simmons for a seventh-round pick to the Giants. They also traded offensive lineman Josh Jones and a seventh, uh, for, sorry, uh, for 2024 seventh and a 2024 fifth from Houston. Uh, they then traded uh, a fifth for Josh Dobbs and a seventh rounder from Cleveland. Proceeded to now we said in our previous this is already probably the worst quarterback room thing. They've now cut Colt McCoy, so it's Dobbs and the rookie Clayton Tune a quarterback. Start the season. The Arizona Cardinals, as we will talk about later on, are so hard in the tank. It's ridiculous. Uh, I'll just run through the other ones and we can kind of hop onto which ones we want. Tennessee picked up wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Turns out he didn't want to ring. Baltimore signed Jadavian Clowney and uh, Ronald Darby after an injury to Marlon Humphreys, who'll be out for about four games. Uh, Chicago picked up Yannick Ngakwe and Mercedes Lewis. And New England signed backup center Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Any of these jump out at you? Uh, Hopkins go to Tennessee. He'll probably get some volume, but like, yeah, that the idea that he was looking to go to a contender is gone because the Titans are not a series contender. Uh,
2: yeah, all of these kind of feel like players past their peak or just terrible decisions. I mean, obviously Hopkins, Clowney, even Ngakwe—you can say they're, they're they're well past their peak. And the Arizona thing, getting rid of the one veteran quarterback they had—I mean, it does it does definitely speak to these guys are, are tanking like crazy and obviously they've kind of given up then, you might say, on Kyler Murray to a certain extent. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as the season goes on. And Zeke Elliott, as a Pats fan, I'm just like, what? Uh,
1: what is he supposed to contribute to this team? No idea. Because uh, also, they give him like $2.5 million, which is just like...
2: He, I just Again, it that. comes back to Bill Belichick is the best head coach in NFL history, but he may very well be the worst GM uh, in NFL history. Uh, every every you know, second decision O'Brien, this guy makes <laughs> every <laughs> second decision this guy makes, I'm kinda of, especially in the last like three or four years, it's like what what is that? Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. We've also and seen- Arizona,
0: pff, these are perplexing. Like Isaiah Simmons, I kinda of get it, he's just a failed experiment. And since he's a former 1st rounder, at least someone would actually trade for him. He's at a final year of his contract. Uh, but obviously he's a talented guy and you're trying to figure out what's going on, they must really not like what they saw. In uh, the preseason and training yeah. camp.
1: He was burned in was, the preseason, and I think just overall he's not a great yeah. scheme fit for them.
0: He's a hybrid player, so you kind of have yeah. to have a defensive coordinator who's kind of got innovative kind of approach. I suppose Wig Martindale might be the guy who can get something out of someone mm. like, I think, like him. Uh, Josh Jones. Graded out as kind of a starting level offensive lineman in a fill in role last year. Houston are pretty desperate for additional uh, offensive linemen. We'll talk about that in the injury section. Uh, but you know, given you know they don't exactly have a great uh, line, so I'm not sure they should give away depth, but yeah, they're just fully tanking. Like Joshua Dobbs apparently does have some um, linkages with the uh, yeah, new he O.C., worked with the O C
1: He worked with the O C previously.
0: Yeah, so I I get that, and like McCoy has no, so like he's obviously from the old regime, like uh, and all the people associated with that. It's obviously going to be a very different offense. But like Jonathan Gannon's, like uh, I'm not going to tell you who's starting quarterback to keep our strategic advantage. Like what strategic advantage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like which toilet are you living in? Do that we intercept <laughs> them
1: deep or do we intercept them short? That's pretty yeah, much it, the question. It's,
0: it's, it's ridiculous and like this is yeah it yeah. was it was already a grim quarterback situation we talked about it about him, like a few weeks ago it's not much better by Josh Jobs like I suppose Josh Dobbs at least last year at the end of the year for Tennessee looked okay so maybe he's like the new Fitzmagic or something like that but I wouldn't bet this he's going to be put to into be well, in. he, he's going to be put into one of the worst offensive situations in the league uh, at the start of the year Yeah. Um. so if he succeeds fair folks to him uh, but I wouldn't put any money on it. Yeah,
1: uh, We've also had a couple of cuts. New England cut Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham leaving Mac Jones as the only quarterback on their roster. Uh, at this time of recording, Zappi has cleared waivers and is going back onto the practice squad, I believe. Uh, Tampa Bay, sorry Sean, you might want to cover your ears for this, have cut Rodrigo Blankenship, the kicker, so he still no. remains unsigned out there. And Green Bay cut Punter Pat O'Donnell, which means Dan Whelan, Irish-born Dan Whelan, will be the starting punter uh, if he lasts the next week. Um, he'd be the first Irish player on a regular season active roster in nearly 40 years, ever since Ni- Neil O'Donohue in 1977. Um, yeah, the New England right. one was a bit confusing, but I suppose they obviously just knew that he would clear waivers. Zappi has not looked great in the preseason either, so... That's fine, I suppose. It was just a little bit crazy to have a brief moment where Mac Jones was the only quarterback on the roster. Um, well, it, t- it doesn't make it
2: much better to have Mac Jones plus a guy that we tried to cut as your your two quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, it's, Oh, no, no, you didn't try to cut. You cut him, and then you brought him back. <laughs> but then bring him back. I mean, yeah. it's... Yeah, obviously Zappi's preseason went horribly, but again, talking about crazy GM decisions, this makes no... I have no idea what's going on here. There's no... There's, no, there's not even rumours out there about what the Pats might actually be planning here unless it's to pick up Colt McCoy yeah. for some reason. I don't know. It's, again, very strange because Mac Jones is not... You know, the last 18 months of Mac Jones' career has not gone all that yeah. spectacularly either. They're so, going to bring yeah. back
1: Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah,
0: but like... look, No. <laughs> like, the offence was so dysfunctional last year. I don't know anyone would look good in it. So, you know, it's, I think it's a situation where obviously Mac Jones and I assume Bill O'Brien have got on okay and he's looked good and he's obviously had at least functional seasons two years ago to, to build upon so yeah it's a bit weird to go this aggressive and not having a backup but I'm sure they're looking at the, the veteran backup situation and they'll get someone in there um,
1: yeah that's that's what I'm imagining is happening yeah. there anyway uh,
0: uh, And Rodrigo obviously Sean, I I also commiserate with you. Hopefully the the spectacle boy gets a chance somewhere else, at least in a practice squad and obviously kickers there's been a lot of kicker injuries in recent weeks, so and kicker trades, so there's lots of flux there.
2: I'm I'm kind of getting quite pessimistic now. I think he's been picked up and cut by a number of teams in the last year. He's been blackballed by the anti glasses
0: Illuminati. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
2: Yep, definitely. They're devious perfect vision.
0: It's like, uh, I don't want a kicker that can't also be a pilot. It just doesn't make sense to me. But uh, just on the Pat O'Donnell thing, obviously, Dan Whelan, amazing to see uh, an Irish-born uh, player, uh, obviously, at a kicking position. Um, and obviously, Neil O'Donoghue was a place kicker back in the day. So obviously, there's a bit of a trend there. Uh, but it'd be great to see him. Hopefully, he'll be starting. His stats in the preseason and, and I'm from college are pretty impressive. So he def- definitely seems like like all the reports say that he will be on the he will be the starting punter, but I do have a little bit of conspiracy theory, which is like you know that the the GM just said uh, cut the Irish punter, and uh, the the personnel guy <laughs> was pretty
1: confused. <laughs> Pat O'Donnell, Dan Whelan, uh, cut O'Donnell, <laughs> shave those sideburns. Uh, yeah, we'll move on then to the injuries section. Uh Denver Broncos uh never never really goes right for them, does it? Uh their wide receiver room is in bits. Uh Tim Patrick has done his Achilles, he's gone for the season. Jerry Judy's done his hamstrings, so he's out to three to eight weeks. KJ Hamler has pericarditis so we don't know how long he's gonna be. He's been released by the team but hopes to be back at some point this year. Uh so yeah, Denver are in a bit of trouble. Miami's backfield are in a lot of trouble. Jalen Ramsey uh basically quite croaked his knee he's out till december so to replace him they have brought in eli apple whose ex-partner this is <laughs> this is oh so eli apple because he talks shit and so his ex-partner has now offered to pay the fines of anyone who injures him in the preseason <laughs> because they're in a dispute over uh, claimed fatherhood of the child and he's saying it's not my kid um Tampa Bay centre Ryan Jensen, per what you were saying earlier about them not really having the depth to be uh, to people around. Uh, he's done his knee, he's out for the season. His career is likely over from reports. Uh, he was injured for a good chunk of last year. He signed a big contract and hasn't really played very much since signing the contract with the injury. He tried to come back because uh, he's a big fan of Tom, a big friend of Tom Brady's. He tried to come back for that kind of ill-fated playoff game and play on it and there's some suggestion that maybe that's why it's completely buggered now but he also decided to choose experimental surgery or sorry experimental treatment instead of surgery involving um stem cells extracted from placentas uh, and yeah that's maybe not the best way to go about it You know and, you crack them open and you suck it dry. Yeah, like we've all seen that episode of the South Park, right? I do like the idea of it just being that they just take a load of umbilical cords and they just like build a knee brace out of them and just strap them up uh, and then Houston's offensive line in Kenyon Green has injured his shoulder and he's gone for the season. Titus Howard has injured his hand and he's out for up to four weeks uh, Yeah, so they picked up another green from Pittsburgh for six Round pick because they didn't want to reprint shirts. And uh, John Josh Jones from Arizona that we mentioned earlier. They also picked up George Fant, so they're bringing in a lot of support players to attempt. Uh, to I think they might be trying to break their own record from last year of putting through the most amount of people on a on a roster in a year. But yeah, not great. Denver wide receiver room. Uh, not looking great for the (laughs) for the comeback year for for, for old Russell Wilson Miami's backfield looking in tatters Uh, Tampa Bay's line not looking great and Houston's line looking even worse not great
0: yeah well we 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 never want to have these injuries right like it's always unfortunate like Patrick obviously I believe he missed last season with a major injury as well so that's yeah he's gone tough road back like he was a talented guy he had that one year where he kept popping up with touchdowns um, when he kind of popped. Uh, Jerry Judy, obviously, supposed to be the wide receiver one there. Obviously, not a great start to the season to be missing for him for one to two months, like, you know, up to the middle of the season. And KJ Hamler, like Perry Godard, is obviously kind of a very serious issue. It's inflammation of the heart uh, muscle. So, obviously, that needs to be very highly precautionary. And, of course, we know with Mar Hamlin in that situation that I'm sure the NFL is even more uh, fastidious about that situation there, but obviously the hope is that it's uh, a non-serious case, which is quite common pericarditis, and that he'll be able to come back and play for either the Broncos or someone else, so we all like that. Jalen Ramsey, yeah, obviously the big signing for Miami, and now gone for most of the year after choosing to do surgery, um, which is fine, given the guy like Ryan Jensen situation, I don't blame him. Um, so he'll be back for the playoff run, assuming they're in the playoff run, which, fair, they're talented enough not to do, and the Eli Apple situation was just like so Eli Apple, like, you know, Sean, you're, you're so right, he is an idiot, and he is bad, and he should just be gone. Uh, but then again, we'd be getting all this free entertainment and memes if Eli Apple wasn't around to be the fool that he is. Um, I, Ryan I Jents, mean, I'm
2: definitely claiming, like, five years ago, when he was playing for the Saints, I was like, this guy is a total idiot, cowboy, loser. And nothing I've seen since then has disproved that. He's, he's everything that I, that I believed he was, and, and more. Uh, I I'm kind of stunned. He's still getting employment in the NFL. To be honest with you. Yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, especially a good put him on a bad team, he'd be fine. He'd be a fine cornerback on on like the Cardinals or something. But playoff teams thinking this guy is 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 yeah I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> get it. <laughs> uh, some lighter injuries from the United league. Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow, his calf is still injured. He's uncertain for Week One, but expected to play at the moment. Washington wide receiver Scary Terry McLaurin has turf week to week, may with Week One, but turf a it's a bitch of an injury, so that could uh, that could take him through the season. And Seattle wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba has injured his wrist. He's had the uh, he's had the the work done on it. Uh, it was meant to be a three to four week recovery, but he has been out catching balls at practice with the team, so we'll see. They're saying that he's possible uh, for week one but we'll have to keep a close eye on that they do have a couple of other players to help fill in the roles in the background of that um, other little bits of news from around the league uh, we've had a couple of retirements Miles Jack the linebacker Corey Davis wide receiver Sonny Michelle, running back and defensive lineman Malik Jackson have all gone uh, former Seattle and Baltimore running back Alex Collins does died at the age of 28 and he was in a road accident uh, after his motorcycle hit another vehicle and um, Baltimore's 24-game preseason winning streak was beaten. Uh, they finally lost to the Commanders, 29-28, with a late field goal. Uh, they also lost their final preseason game versus Tampa Bay. So we'll see. Uh, that is a record that will never be beaten, particularly now in the days of uh, three preseasons, because it means it would take what eight plus years to uh, to accrue uh, a 24-game win streak. And uh, yeah, so those are the bits of news we had. A, we had a lot of like football adjacent product put out this uh, this summer as well so we have obviously Hard Knocks is ongoing uh, we had the quarterback series that covered uh, Pat Mahomes Kirk Cousins and uh, Marcus Mariota.
0: Mariota
1: yeah so it, it was a bit for like <laughs> who was that guy <laughs> um, Then we also had uh, the Johnny Manziel documentary. There's a Florida Gators documentary thing out there at the moment.
0: Uh, There's
1: there's a soon-to-be-out Kelsey documentary and a few other bits and pieces. Um, It's been a lot. Some of it was good. Some of it was bad. I I think the Johnny Manziel... Drive to
0: Survive. When did Drive to Survive come out? Like three, four years ago now? Yeah, I think I think it's
1: coming on to season five now.
0: All of the applications that people made, it's like, oh, we should all be Drive to Survive. They all seem to be coming through now. We're like in the the peak over production zone of the uh, sports documentary i feel like at the moment and especially it's more and more of them just turn into puff pieces yeah like, apparently the floor i haven't watched it but everything i heard There's one which covers the urban meyer situation and a bunch of controversial stuff like tim tebow and Aaron hernandez and a whole bunch of crazy apparently and it doesn't deal yeah, with any it of it just it doesn't just just yeah, ignores it just it. oh no we were just good at football and urban meyer is a fine upstanding citizen <laughs> there's no evidence to the contrary and even the Johnny Mandel one was a little bit exploitative as well as I heard as well
1: I watched the Manziel one I wasn't a mad fan I mean, it was interesting to see some of the stuff that was going on in college but like it feels like there's not an ending to it because you see all this stuff about like you know your man it's being like, an addict to being like not being able to do it and like struggling with it and then you kind of go alright so like has he come out the other side of this and has everything changed it just ends like he's just drinking beer and playing darts at home like it's just weird
0: Somewhere out there, Johnny Manziel is still living his life. No, look, we actually have—we know where he <laughs> is right now, and it's not good. And we may be exploiting mm. someone who's been—you know—gone through a lot of bad shit. And uh, yeah, but, no, but he may be out there somewhere. Don't 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 worry too much yeah, about it.
2: I I must confess I haven't gotten around to watching a lot of these because of the the move and the the busy summer. But I ha- I wa- managed to watch the first episode of the quarterback and. Kirk Cousins is the most Kirk Cousins person who has ever
1: lived. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I hope laughs> if so. you had
2: to picture what Kirk Cousins would be like in real life, uh, it's just a perfect, he's a perfect parody of himself. It's just like the most boring man who ever lived. It's incredible.
1: I think my favorite bit is like, it's episode three or four, where like, you know, they're showing what they do in their, in their downtime and like Pat Mahomes is there training and... Uh, that they've got like, you know, chefs in for the got and they just, cut to, they just cut to Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is like wandering around a bookshop going, I like books from time to time. And he goes to buy a book and is just super excited that he's going to get a second book half price. That's, that's, that's all they could find that was compelling about him. Like it was... Oh. But apparently, it's one of loads of fans in the in the states because they kind of like this uh, oh, yeah, yeah, super okay. wholesome, boring dude yeah. vibe thing. Uh, but like, yeah, just not not yeah, for like, me now, not for me at all. Like,
0: like he, he, you know, the one thing I would say in his defence is that you do get the sense he is a guy who is maximising his talent. That he is a mortal man who. He feels incredibly lucky to be where he is and he's willing to put in all of the effort and work to maximize what he has it just happened to be what he has it's like not a fraction of what Patrick Mahomes has who is you know all the times oh fun goof and then he's on the field he's like I'm gonna fucking kill you I am going to destroy your entire world and it's like his kind of weird mantra thing Patrick Mahomes has like he just repeats the same phrase again and again when he wants to dominate you and obviously he is dominating you because he wins you know most of the time Um, it's just a different level of competitor and then obviously Marcus Mariota just seems like a guy who wants to hang out in Hawaii uh, who happens to be good enough a quarterback to get a backup I had forgotten
1: about him leaving the team uh, yeah that was a weird
0: situation and it just kind of seems like he was like well if you're not going to start me I'm just going to be yeah. more prepared for my next job. And to be honest, if, if anything, dead. I
1: think it probably harmed him in getting his next job by leaving. Like it's yeah. just, yeah, it's uh, like, well, it, I, it did. I'm, I'm, I'm with him entirely on the idea of like this, this, this concept that the teams have of if you if you need to go rehab an injury, do that on your own time, not on our time. Like, no, fuck that. But also, yeah. if you're going to be a backup, not have to play and you're looking to keep doing that next year don't just leave no contact to the to the to the team and just fuck off home like yeah. you know <laughs> i think it was a
0: nice it's a, it was a nice like linear step up you have a guy who plays quarterback but you know would probably prefer to other things to Marcus Mariota you have a guy who plays quarterback who's not the most talented, but maximizing what they have. They do care about it deeply. And then you have Patrick Mahomes, like the, the alpha, like the kind of just the guy who is supremely talented and supremely driven and is just going to destroy everything in his way. And it's just a, it's an interesting kind
1: of step. Like it's contrast between the different guys. It's a
2: strange, a strange choice of three. They, there's nothing really, other than they play quarterback, there's literally nothing mm. that they That's have what I like
1: because it's like. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the target was to show you three different levels of it.
0: Yeah and um, just to, obviously just to say like obviously huge commiserations to alex Collins' family obviously he, he always seemed like a good guy when he was yeah. in seattle there was like stories about him doing irish dancing to include yeah, his, yeah uh, he's quite his well liked over them. here in ireland and yeah apparently yeah, yeah there's a family over in dublin who, who he did a lot of irish dancing stuff with back in the day and they, they've kept in contact so obviously to see someone die this young is always a tragedy and he seems to be a good dude so uh especially so
1: yeah no no it was uh, rough rough to hear but um yeah, I suppose on that, we will move over to our preseason awards, our premature congratulations. Okay, so first up, we have breakout player. This is a player who's going to kind of have a big season. It can be starting from nowhere. It can be a surprise up season. It could be whatever. Uh, so we'll kick off with you, Sean. Who have you got?
2: So I, I thought about this for a while. I was considering maybe Trevor Lawrence, the the to... Chags quarterback because I think he's going to have a great year but I decided instead to to go with a little bit of a a, an outside bet uh I'm going to pick Philly Philly Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell um partly this is a fantasy pick in that I have him in a fantasy league and I'm kind of (laughs) hoping that my weird gamble pays off but also I You know, the sense is obviously the Eagles are going to be very good. Whoever is going to be their running back is going to get a lot of yards. And even though they've got uh, DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, who are maybe a little bit more explosive, there is a a reliability to Gainwell. From from what I'm getting reports in terms of uh, preseason and such like, Gainwell is, is, you know, well-liked at the Eagles. He's considered to be a bit more reliable than those other two guys. And maybe there's going to be a situation where these guys are going to maybe get injured a little bit or have a little bit more up and down where Gainwell will we'll keep plugging away. And I kind of have a feeling that maybe by week seven or week eight, he's established himself as the kind of reliable uh, RB1 that the Eagles – Go to when they don't want to do their explosive Jalen Hurts uh, stuff. So I, I think he's going to have a, quietly have a very very good year for a guy that maybe no one had heard of before beforehand. So that's why mm. I'm going to pick him uh, as my breakout player.
1: Nominal yes. determinism. Gainwell is a running back, uh, Ronan, <laughs>
0: mm. but he is up against DeAndre Swift. So that's a that's a pretty. Uh, <laughs> That tough is. nominative deferments in battle. For me, I'm going probably more a mainstream pick. Uh, I'm picking Buffalo running back James Cook. Obviously came in last year as a rookie, didn't do a huge amount, kind of got more involved as the year went on. But obviously in a in a high power offense like Buffalo on a team that probably doesn't want to have Josh Allen running as much as they go forward in time, James Cook seems to have a good opportunity to be a major weapon on the ground and in particularly in the passing game as the kind of complement to the relatively, I would say, short-staffed uh, wide receiver room that they have.
1: Yeah, Uh, I'm going to go with, that. I called him out during the previews as well, Uh, Kansas City wide receiver Justin Ross. uh, He was a phenomenal player in college, had uh, a couple of injury issues, uh, one particularly large one which involved him having to get a spinal fusion. There was questions about whether or not he would uh, play at the NFL level. Uh, He would have been a first rounder if it hadn't been for that uh, injury. So they redshirted him last year. He had an ankle injury as well. Uh, it's his second year he has impressed during the preseason, has made it onto the squad and uh i just think it's a great story and i also think that he is a phenomenally good player so the problem is there's a lot of wide receivers there and it's to see how it shakes out but given he's had a year to learn the system uh hopefully he'll be able to put up a big one so uh hoping for big things at of justin ross best rookie uh let's start with sean again who have you got for your best rookie uh
2: uh, yeah, I, I've gone for Bijan Robinson for the Falcons. Obviously, I think I—I I mean, obviously that we don't know how good this is going to be. There's a lot of hype around him. I do kind of feel the Falcons are going to build their team around him, and he's going to be kind of ready to go from week one. Whereas some of the other players, obviously, the, the, the big quarterbacks uh, often need a season or two to bed in properly. Even especially the explosive ones like Anthony Richards, for example, will take some time. But I think Bijan—he's a great go. He's going to be ready to go uh, week one, and the Falcons are going to rely on him. So I think he's going to he's going to have a very good year, um, just being the fulcrum uh, of that Falcons attack. What do you think, Ronan?
0: <laughs> yeah, I've also gone with Bijan Robertson. I was kind of going, I, I you know, I was go, I was kind of fading him a little bit just because you know they've got so many running backs there, and obviously he'll get plenty of touches. But was he going to get that kind of bell cow touches where he's going to dominate this year? And then I saw him on his first run in the preseason, which I get it's the preseason, but he did look really fucking explosive so I'm like yeah. okay I'm back in I'm back in let's go Bijan and while like the quarterbacks obviously have you know the best chance of looking the best and uh, there aren't really too many elite defensive players that I think would be in the running um, I think the quarterbacks none of them are in, a, in the kind of good team position where I think they'll necessarily come out of the gate and truly dominate at least for the entire season I can see a lot of them coming on towards the end of the season though
1: Yeah no I, I considered Bijan myself and then I was also thinking Gibbs looks pretty good too but I decided to go with Anthony Richardson I think uh, there's a chance it's not going to work out, but I also think there's a chance it will. He's he, the, the bits he played in the preseason were a bit weird because sometimes there was some terrible decision making, sometimes it was just incredible on-field action. Uh, I think it'll be exciting to watch. It'll make Indianapolis far more entertaining, uh, particularly with Taylor out for the first couple of weeks. I'd say there's a good shot of him getting a lot on the ground. and historically any rookie quarterback who does particularly well in their first year tends to be one who has a good running game. So I'm hoping for the upside. I'm hoping for Indianapolis to be a bit spicy. Uh, So I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson. Uh, MVP, uh, Chalco this time. uh, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. He was MVP last year. It'd be nice to see if he could get back to back. Uh, They've got a lot of weapons this year. They've, done some interesting things with the line. Uh, so I think they'll probably be a little bit weaker on the left-hand side. I think they'll be a lot stronger on the right-hand side. Uh, so I imagine he'll just use the right-hand side more because uh, that's kind of what Pat Mahomes does. Uh Yeah, I just, I really like the collection of wide receivers they have this year. I think it should be quite exciting and yeah, just hype for, for the year. run.
0: Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes as well. It's the obvious choice. Uh, we've tried the couple, last couple of years to pick other people, just to kind of seem different. But uh, this year, I'm just going to go with the obvious choice and pick Patrick Mahomes. And look, if we're wrong by mid-season, which we're very unlikely to be, then, then we can come back. But yeah, he's the favourite and for good reason.
1: Uh, Shawnee Boy.
2: Yeah, I know quarterbacks always win MVP. So this one is a bit, again, a bit of an outside pick, but I'm going to go for CMC. uh San Francisco running back Christian McCaffrey, largely because if the 49ers are as good as I think they're going to be, and McCaffrey's as big a part of their offense as I think he's going to be, I think he's going to have a monster year. Like like I think he's going to end up possibly breaking 1,000 yards, uh, definitely running, but possibly receiving as well. Uh, And if he does that, then he's got to be a contender for MVP, especially if the 49ers are the best team in the league, which I think there's a
1: good chance they will be. Fair enough. And the Justin Tucker Memorial Award for Best Special Teamer, not named Justin Tucker. Uh, I'm going for Keyshawn Nixon, punt returner, and I think cornerback for Green Bay. Uh, he was very, very exciting when he was doing a couple towards the back end of last year, I think is when he was able to take over that job. Uh, he's also the guy who everyone thought was Snoop Dogg's cousin, but isn't actually Snoop <laughs> Dogg's cousin. He just played on his uh, like it's high school or peewee league or whatever that he has. Um, so his buddies with Snoop, he's good at running the ball. Uh, he had some exciting punt returns last year. And I think the Green Bay are going to need uh, special teams to be balling out this year as well if they want to be competing so I'd expect them to basically let him have a have a shot at it a lot more than a team that can kind of sit down and work it down the field consistently
0: yeah I'm going with uh Ryan Stonehouse the punter for Tennessee who I'm sure get plenty of work this year with the the Titans (laughs) and no he's just a guy who uh apparently he beat the record which had stood for like 60 years 70 years from Sammy Bow um for the most average yards for punt uh, for the entire season last year. The guy just loves putting the ball far away. Is he the best directional punter? No. Is he got the best hang time? No. But (laughs) can he kick that ball far away? Yes, he can. And when you have a surname like Stonehouse, that's all I need. So even though I got, obviously I I have my love for my Michael Dixon uh, with the Seahawks, but Stonehouse, you've earned my respect. Uh, Hope to see you uh, continue to build on your success in 2023.
2: Yeah, I, I do think the Titans are going to punt a lot, so that is a good pick. Uh, I, I've gone for hometown pick uh, from a man who was born not too far away from where I'm currently sitting, uh, Green Bay punter, Daniel Whelan, uh, as we said, first Irishman in over 40 years to play, and yeah, I just hope he has a great year because we're, all of us are, are rooting for him for sure.
1: I just really hope we don't jinx him by putting it in here now he's gone before the first game. Uh. <laughs> okay, onto the so that was high flying. Onto dumpster diving now. Uh, Tom Cable's most penalty yards prize. Uh, I'm going to take the obvious option here. Eli Apple, Miami <laughs> Dolphins defensive back. Uh, he's terrible at his job. He likes to hold. He gets blown up in coverage. Uh, and yeah, I think he's going to cause a lot of lot of mistakes. Uh, Ronan. Yeah, I think your
0: only risk is if he gets enough plays, basically, to, to rack up those yards properly. But uh, yeah, that's true. I went for, I just looked up Cardinals, CB1, it's Marco Wilson in theory, apparently, and I went, well, he's <laughs> fucked. <so laughs> he'll probably be getting called a lot, and he had a fair few penalties last. He wasn't at the top, but he was like, you know, mid-table, uh, but the, where they are this year, I think he'll have a lot more work to do and a lot more yards to give up, uh, yeah. both by flag and otherwise.
1: Sean, I,
2: yeah, I gotta say I'm. I am surprised by this because this is like the one award we give out where you can actually be quite scientific. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's literally measuring a thing.
1: Well, it's and all. It's always it alignment. Like it's always alignment.
2: If, <laughs> if you look it up, it's not cornerbacks who end up giving up the most penalty yards or the most penalties. It's offensive linemen. Um, so I've gone for New England's uh, offensive tackle Trent Brown, partly because I looked up last year and he's top ten in penalty yards given up, uh, both in and quite high in terms of uh, holding, offensive holding. I think he's maybe third in offensive holding. And if the Pats are going to be as bad as I think, then obviously that will look – that pressure is going to be increased upon him uh, as the year goes on. So there's a good chance he's going to be up there again. So as the one name on that list, I was like, why is he so high? I'm just going to pick him just so I can keep an eye on on his penalty yards as as we go along. But I get especially from Vizal, who's very – you know, scientific about things to, to, to not be picking offensive linemen I find quite yeah. But
0: I've I've picked offensive line every year that we picked this yeah. one now. I was like, I want to go a little bit different and I, I think I, you actually convinced me to a certain extent in recent years where like it is the yards reward not the number of penalties. If it's the number of penalties, I think it has to be an offensive lineman but the, the, the defensive backs and the offensive linemen tend to be a bit more competitive if it's just pure how many yards that they give up.
1: Yeah, like realistically, if you wanted to go for that, you probably want like a bad safety on a team that scores points. Uh, so maybe someone on the Chiefs wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Uh, we move on to the Jamarcus Hype Train Crash Award. So this one goes out to a team that's getting a bit of hype that uh, is maybe going to derail like an old Jamarcus Russell. Uh, Sean, who have you got?
2: Uh, I've decided to g- I, it, it's hard to know I you know, I, I feel the teams that are being hyped look pretty good I, I find it difficult to find a team that has been overhyped but the old re- there's always the old reliable is the LA Chargers yeah. we can it's be guaranteed cheating. especially in the Justin Herbert era that they're going to come in talked up in a big way they're going to look pretty good for the first two or three weeks and people are going to be like this is the year this is the year and then they're going to charge and they're going to end up you know, maybe a 9 and 8, but maybe 7 and 10, kind of thing. I think you can always rely on the charges to charge uh, and for them in the Herbert to be overhyped. So I think it's it's a solid pick, solid pick for, for what's going to go down. Yeah, but, but
0: it does I was, feel like cheating because even last year, when they did make the playoffs, they still somehow managed to derail their own hype train by giving up the biggest lead in the playoffs ever <laughs> and embarrassing themselves that way. So, uh, yeah, but a safe
1: pick. I don't think it was the biggest lead in the playoffs ever. Uh... The, the, the Houston Texans were 28 up against the Chiefs
0: was that similar for,
1: uh, it, was, well, it, it was similar a very I, think I think they were like the third highest ever yeah, um, yeah it was yeah. an embarrassing I think I think I hype. think it was I think it was the highest the the, the the largest lead entering the second half something like that like I think like the, their hype train is
0: actually not as big as it is because of the way they lost that yeah. game basically and also like, like they,
1: this this is probably the first year that they've not been universally picked to win the AFC West Yeah,
0: but they <laughs> are so makes hyped. me more They're worried
1: running. than anything else
0: Most people have the penciled in as a playoff team, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, For myself, it's the Cleveland Browns. I've been not particularly hyped on this podcast, but I have been hearing in a bunch of other podcasts that people are like, oh, the Browns, sneaky pick. Maybe Sean Watson's going to come back and he's going to be great. And, you know, it's, it's only six games, guys, where he's bad. Let's ignore the two years where he didn't play at all and the fact that he's now in a very different situation in terms of his relationship with the fans and everyone else. Um, So I just think this whole thing is going to continue to be shit and it's going to be terrible again this year and the Browns will uh, best be mediocre and I don't think there's, I think there's a reasonable chance they just completely implode.
1: Patriots West, (laughs) Raiders. Um, I think the Raiders are going to flop. They're getting a lot of of pop now saying, well, now they've got the pieces that they want to get it together. Uh, I think there's always an injury risk with Jimmy G. I think I'm not sure what they've got behind it. I'm not sure the offensive scheme they have is going to fit the players they have and I think this team... If they're not already, they should definitely be wondering why they ever got rid of Rich Passaccia. Um, okay, the Sanchez, the most embarrassing moment that we think is going to happen this year. Uh, coming off your Browns chat, Ronan, uh, I'm going to have Browns quarterback controversy as the most embarrassing moment. So they're either going to have to bench Watson for Thompson Robinson, their rookie who looked very good in the preseason. Um, and that's obviously a bit of egg on the face because they've given him $230 million for essentially nothing. Or because they've given him $230 million and the ownership are notoriously a bit cheap down there they will trade thompson robinson and double down on the bad bet that is watson
0: you see we just draft good quarterbacks and then trade them away to make up for the fact that we Terrible quarterback, both morally and on the field now, because of <laughs> presumably just having a psychic break. You know, obviously, yeah. you know everything we hear about Deshaun Watson is that he still thinks of himself as a good guy, and you see the denials and yeah. Oh, he 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 still though. thinks
1: that the, that the women that accused him are horrible bastards yeah, who are lying. So yeah, so
0: not not you know maybe well I was going to say see a therapist, uh, but uh, that hasn't gone well before. But anyway, um. <laughs> Broncos, uh, for me, the Broncos, I kind of feel like Sean Payton's early, like, Nathaniel Hackett uh, drive-by is not a great sign that Sean Payton is a hu- humble man. He's never been a humble man, but that means that if the Broncos do not take off quickly, um, it probably will not be pretty. And I'm imagining the first person under the bus will be our old friend Russell Wilson. And I could just think this whole see first season could be very, very explosive and dumb and, uh, for the outsider, quite fun to uh, behold indeed yeah johnny
2: and i i am almost picking this because i want to you know lull the universe into not making it happen right <laughs> uh i just feel the more I, I you know read about the Pats in the off season the more i kind of watch the preseason stuff i think they're going to be very very bad this year uh i think historically bad by by belichick era pats uh and we did talk a little bit in the previews about how long belichick and how long how much craft is going to give him, and we did maybe talk about maybe the summer 2024 uh, or the summer 2025 being when the, the the heat comes on. But I just have a feel if this team goes, let like maybe one in five or something, start a season. Robert Kraft is actually going to fire six-time Super Bowl champion head coach. <laughs> Bill Belichick in the middle of the season and probably bring in some absolute jabroni. And then the Pats will go from being a team that is, you know, regularly 7 and 10 to 9 and 8 to being what they actually are on the talent level, which is they'll be like a 2 and 15 team for like the next decade. But and Then, then at least they as... get
1: some draft picks that Bill <laughs> Belichick won't be there to ruin. But John, that uh, jabroni's I just... name?
0: Tom Brady. <laughs> Player manager, more more likely Matt
2: Patricia than Tom Brady, but anyway, Mm. uh, yeah, I just feel Kraft is—he's got a bad mistake in him, and I think it's going to come out uh, this season.
0: I'm like, if you can bring a pundit out of the wild and make them a a head coach, like Indianapolis did, player manager Tom Brady just makes too much sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: Next up, we have our dumpster fire of the year. So this is who we think are going to be the bottom dwellers, the worst ones. Uh, Sean, who you got? I I do feel a little bit bad about this
2: because we really shouldn't be picking teams who seem to be intentionally setting themselves on fire. Um, But nonetheless, the team that is going to be the dumpster fire this year is the Arizona Cardinals. But I I do feel that maybe the spirit of this award is a team that is trying not to be a dumpster fire, but nonetheless is, whereas the Cardinals are very much uh, burning themselves down uh, in order, one imagines, to get a better draft pick somewhere down the
0: line. I only feel bad if they're burning themselves to, you know, protest against imperialism not if they're doing it to get <laughs> Caleb Williams you know, if you're going to burn yourself down in the NFL oftentimes you might end up getting fired or anything much worse than that and you know for me the Cardinals are objectively the worst team though there is stiff competition in the NFC from the Rams and the Bucks but yeah the Cardinals I think have taken that extra step to truly burn this down and while there has been cases like say the Dolphins a few years ago where they turned around and be, turned out to be surprisingly competitive the, the, the depth the Cardinals have gone to is truly impressive um, so it's really hard to see how they can't be the, the worst team and, and the most dumpster of fire, at least for this year.
1: Yeah, I've gone with the Rams. Uh, I kind of agree with Sean on this. I think the, uh, the, the shooting yourself in the foot level where it's intentional and you aim is... Not necessarily in the spirit of the Dumpster Fire because they are achieving their goal. Whereas I think the Rams have been talking up that they're going to be competitive, that they're planning to be in the hunt this year. And I don't think they're going to be anywhere near it. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to be shopping players by mid-season. And I think we're going to have another summer of Sean McVay hemming and hawing about whether he ought to stay in football. Um, but yes, yeah, so the, the LA Rams, bottom probably. feeders. Uh, we got prizes arriving. This is our uh, kind of big surprise positive end of the year expectations so we'll start with uh our wild card team so the team that maybe a lot of people aren't expecting a ton out of but we think are going to be able to make it into the make it into the playoffs possibly only that far possibly a little bit further but kind of i think for for me it's like they're going to make the playoffs and you may not
0: expect them to be but they're going to be fun Obviously, yeah. there are certain teams that can make the playoffs who are not the wild card because they're boring. They're yeah. Like if the Titans made the playoffs. Yeah. But there are certain teams we are like, oh, this would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm so, intrigued. So I've gone with Atlanta. Uh, I think they've got a lot of young talent. I think they're going to be quite exciting to watch this year. I think they're going to be sloppy. And I think it's going to make for entertaining games.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go risky and go with New England. Like, I'm not sure if this will come true, but I just kind of feel like last year... The offense was so bad, but I think the defense still held up pretty well, and I think Belichick is doing some interesting things back there. So if their offense can just get back to being where it was two years ago, I could see them maybe sneaking into the playoffs. But of course, it's such a tough division and such a tough conference. It's all the things are stacked against them. But if anyone can beat those odds, it's probably Bill Belichick. So
1: they go 1-5. They fire Bill Belichick. <laughs>
2: Bring in Matt
0: Patricia. Bring and in Matt Patricia. 11, Matt Patricia wins
1: straight. ten stop, straight to bring them to the wild Stop merging our
0: multiverses,
1: right? Like that was the
0: <laughs> lesson of the Flash. Don't merge the multiverses. You, you know?
1: watched that? Oh God! Uh, I thought everyone avoided is... that Ezra Miller dumpster fire. <laughs> I was intrigued to see how bad it was. I've seen enough clips. I think that particularly the clip of him running around with babies falling out a window was more than enough Flash for me.
2: Uh, I did not watch the Flash. I didn't. Um, <laughs> I
1: just saw the clips online. That was uh, terrible. My
2: uh, my pick is the New York Jets. I I I mean maybe te- I know people are probably expecting them to be good and maybe make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be such a hot and cold team, such a hit and miss that this will either go the Aaron Rodgers experiment will either go really 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 well and they're going to be up there competing for the number one seed uh, or the number two seed uh, in the a- AFC. Or it's going to be a complete disaster, and they're going to go four and thirteen. And so that's why I think if they are good, they're going to be a really exciting, fun, dynamic team—a good mix of veterans and young talent—with a, with a, a very good head coach. And I think they're going to to shake teams up down the stretch. But um, that would depend on them not blowing up before that. And I, you know, it, it depends how soon Aaron Rodgers gets bored. I think is the is the wild card here. But if they're good, they're going to be very, very good.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, before we get on to our big. Winner, winner, chicken dinners. Uh, Since the previews, because we obviously record most of the previews about a month or plus back at this stage, uh, some of them two months ago, we want to just see there's been a lot of movements. Who we had the biggest positive change since we did our previews? So what teams are we feeling better about? Uh, I'll start. I had the Commanders going 5 and 12. I think they're going to maybe be a little bit better than that. Or even if they're at that record, they're a much more positive situation now, I think, the new ownership is a huge factor in that i think uh the enemy seems to be working himself in well there despite initial reports of him working the players too hard um but yeah i just think there's some young talent there there's a bit of positivity around it even if the quarterback situation is not the best i feel i definitely feel better about the commanders now than i did two months ago
0: yeah like uh, pff, it's not a huge change but i'm a bit more positive about green bay i think They've gone from, in my opinion, like a below-average team to kind of above-average, maybe average type of team, like in that kind of 8-9, 9-8 and nine, nine and situation. I just think, like, we know they're a solidly run team. Um, it's just a matter of whether Jordan Love can take that extra step up and make them potentially competitive. And in a pretty open NFC North and a pretty open NFC in general, I could definitely see them maybe sneaking into the playoffs.
2: Uh, I kind of hinted and about a number of teams here because i kind of happy in a positive sense with it, the picks that I've gone. I did think about the Dolphins, just as a vibes, the Dolphins could be quite good. But I can't at all conscious pick a team that is, has picked up Eli Apple yeah. and intends to play him <laughs> in actual NFL games. So I've gone for the Steelers largely because I predicted they would have a losing record. I think 7-10 and 10 is what I gave them in the previews. And now I'm regretting ever questioning Mike Tomlin's amazing ability to get over 500. I, th- I think this team, if nothing else is true about the NFL, the Steelers will win uh, eight and a half games uh, at least. Um, and so I have to go with them as, as to, to go up to that.
1: Yep, no, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, and so the next one is our biggest negative change since the previews. So Sean will kick off with you on that one. Who's dropped in your estimations?
2: Yeah, I, as we may have talked about a bit uh, in the actual previews, I did kind of I was a bit of an outlier when it came to how good the Rams would be because I thought they could run it back, but now I'm like, given you know the, all the stuff that's been happening off season and the, and the, how bad they look in preseason, I think they're going to be quite bad. So yeah, I, I they're going to be at least Four wins less. I gave them 10 and 7. I'd say they're 6 and 11 might be the best they can hope for. Ronan. Yeah, you know,
0: I, I took the worst team, the Cardinals, and I went, that's not bad enough. So I've, I've, I've <laughs> subtracted all of their wins. Uh, when they get a win, uh, I will start adding wins back in in terms of estimation. But until then, which I think may not happen at all, uh, you are now officially the worst team in the NFL forever.
1: No, And I'm, uh, I'm vibes down in the Dolphins. Uh, I think I had three AFC East teams making it into the playoffs. I'm not sure about that at the moment. I'm a bit, bit 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 squiffy on a few of them now. I think the Patriots are a bit down. I think the Dolphins are a bit down. I think the big one is, that I think the Dolphins, the cornerback situation doesn't help the uh, this ongoing Tua narrative about how he now knows how to fall because of judo is just doing my head in. Because um, like, oh yeah, you can effectively fall whenever you're in the preseason and lads are pulling up whenever they're hitting you. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm expecting them to downgrade two or three games, maybe. Um, no, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I just, I just don't have the same faith in them. Right, time for the big ones, boys. Uh, AFC champion. We have three different answers here, and we're sticking with what we had beforehand. I'm going with Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC.
0: I went for Buffalo. I'm sticking with it. As I said, it's more of a heart pick than a head
1: pick, but uh, I still like it. I was contemplating Buffalo for my biggest negative change since the previous.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it it could yeah, it could be interesting to see if the Bills fall off a bit. I'm gonna. I went with the Bengals, and I'm gonna stick with them. I'm not worried about the Joe Burrow injury. The Bengals always start season slow anyway, and they'll be they'll be purring come week twelve, week thirteen, and then. Oh, I like the, what I you did
1: there. The cat thing. <laughs>
2: Uh, they, yeah, I think yeah. they have that championship mentality that will get them to the Super Bowl.
1: Okay, uh, then we've got our NFC champions. We'll start with you, Sean.
2: Uh, I went for the 49ers. I still think the 49ers are, are going to be the best team in football, uh, so, and certainly they'll be the best team in the, <laughs> the NFC, so I'll go with them.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've gone for Philly, but it's really Philly or San Francisco. I don't think anyone else has been picked for the NFC Championship right now. Uh, that's decide- for, uh, that's, maybe that's the decided it.
1: Then I am going to swap it. Swap me. I was hemming and hawing between two. In the previews, I had Philly taking it, but I had a bit of a surprise upstart, and I'm still feeling good about them, and it would just be so much fun. So I'm going to have our NFC champions be the Detroit Lions. Ooh,
2: yes. Get in there. <laughs> well, I don't
1: think anyone would object uh, and uh, Super Bowl winners uh, we've got three separate Super Bowl winners I've got Kansas City beating the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl
2: interesting you've got the Super Bowl being the first game of the year they're going to top it.
1: top and bottom and because everyone's <laughs> going to get behind Detroit it's like the real heel turn in the Kansas City arc uh, finally you will become the Patriots <laughs> <laughs> take that uh, Panthers
0: uh, you know, as I said Buffalo is more of a hard pick but uh, I still not not uh, against my head enough to actually let them win a Super Bowl uh, no more heartbreak for Buffalo as Philly winning the Super Bowl against them
2: mm-hmm. uh, I'm going for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl over the Bengals but it's close either way because the Niners have the talent but maybe they haven't proven it in the sense the Bengals have in the playoffs so far mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I think the Niners I think it's this this is their year if, if they don't win it this year then yeah uh, it, and I asked. can already
0: I can already predict what it'll be it'll be Brandon Allen playing his former team, beating the the Bengals in the, in the Super Bowl. Because, like, they'll be on their, like, third quarterback at that point, San Francisco. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Trey Lance will make a surprise return, yeah, mm. and lead them all the way.
1: Very good. Okay, so we've got wildly different endpoints here. That's, that's quite good. Uh, yeah, we've got entirely separate matchups as well, so very... We're covering all our bases. We've got a good shot of yeah. being right somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: surely we'll be right, right? That That's the historic uh, record of this podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, well, that'll wrap us up for this week. Obviously, we're coming into it. Uh, next week is going to be the first week of games. We'll have a podcast out to you on Thursday in advance of Thursday Night Football, which is Detroit at Kansas City to open up the uh, season, the unveiling of the uh, of the. Uh, Trophy and the and the banners and so on. So that'll be uh will be good fun. Uh but we'll do our previews and everything then. I'm sure there'll be a good bit of news between here and there as well. But uh any plans for your last week of freedom before the season starts back, boys?
2: <laughs> uh not sure. They're, I I think Atlon Town are playing down in Waterford this weekend, so I might go see them. They're not terrible at the moment, which is a very odd place to be as an Athlone fan. But uh they're so rarely in the city that I happen to be living in that I should probably go see them when
1: they're here. Yeah, very good. Are you yourself, Ronan?
0: Uh nothing too exciting. Uh, as I said, this kind of last weekend where you have Sunday evenings available, so I'll probably be tipping around doing a few random things, getting a haircut, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, nothing too exciting this weekend. And there's even more sport coming in September anyway, with the Rugby World Cup and football continuing to get more and more. So it's going to be busy, busy, busy. You know.
1: Yeah. Now I'll be watching watching a bit of F one. I think we'll be drafting one of the many leagues. I'm actually drafting a league tonight. Uh, the 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 to Dublin City Wolves have a fancy league, so uh, I'm gonna have to go and dominate that one as well. But uh, yeah, no other than that, just getting ourselves strapped in and ready to go for another big season of uh, American football. And obviously, we're going to be getting ourselves ready. We will be doing an AFQ goes to the uh, goes to the game. We're off to London uh, in the first week of October as well, so that'll be good fun. But yeah, that'll wrap us up for our preview, our pre-season our everything because. Uh, The next time we're back football's back baby football's back very exciting winning the games so I suppose that'll wrap us up for now so it's bye from myself bye from Ronan bye bye from Sean bye this one all four quarters thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next week